PHNX Feedbacks podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Monti, occasionally known as your mayor of PHNX. This guy's your vice mayor, it's Thunderstick Jesse Friedman, and we are both uh, fairly miserable after this particular loss. Your shoes are are like playing mind games with me right now. I got now. a lot of color like we're going on. We're seeing the bottoms yeah. of the shoes, yeah. and somehow that's still that's good. They're just they're, they're just white on top, but then they're colorful underneath, which. Uh, I mean, the, the, there's always a nice little colorful surprise when it comes to me, right? The the bottom of this hat is actually pink. That's not my hair reflecting off of it, believe it or not. Uh, and I went, <laughs> I went Oppo Taco, for those of you that weren't in our watch along, with the hair to see if I could get a little bit more Lourdes-type oh. uh, volume or length or craziness there. I don't know if it's working out, but whatever I need to do. Trying to help the Arizona Diamondbacks overcome a tough series loss to the Miami Marlins. Uh, another series loss, their second series loss of the year. And luckily, they don't get to see the Marlins anymore for the rest of the season now, but they don't really get uh, any kind of revenge or redemption against this team. They lose, uh, what, four out of six total? Four out of six total. Not great. And I believe the two games the Diamondbacks did win against the Marlins this season uh, were both with Zach Gallon on the mound, and the D-backs went 0-4 in the games uh, that Zach Gallon did not pitch in. So, uh, yeah, rough series. Uh, overall, it just felt like the D-backs offense was never really able to get into a groove. Uh, they had a decent decent game on Monday with 13 hits. The five runs scored there. Uh, they kind of started slow in that game. We were able to figure some things out later. But the D-backs were not good at all uh, today or in this series with runners in scoring position. We'll no. talk about that more later. No, um, and Merrill Kelly in this game, Derek, was just not... He wasn't terrible. He he gave you six innings. Uh, there were some good moments. His velocity was actually up across the board. Yeah. It looked early that his stuff was pretty good. Uh, but, you know, give some credit to these Marlins hitters. They put some really good at-bats against Merrill Kelly. Um, and, you know, they were able to, to score four runs off of him. And then, uh, you know, Andrew Chafin and Miguel Castro giving up the go-ahead run in the ninth inning. The D-backs weren't able to respond. And uh, you've got a, a tough one-run loss here to the Marlins. The Diamondbacks seemed a bit listless on offense. I think the score feels like this game was closer than it felt watching it. Uh, it, it, it was very, a tie game, like yeah, for most of it, basically. Right. I mean, it was scoreless up until that was the fourth inning, right? Yeah. And then and Merrill gives up the three-run home run. He gives up total four earned runs, four hits, six innings pitched. Uh, he walked one with six strikeouts. Uh, the answer backs answered back. They did what they, they did. do immediately in the four inning. Uh, in the fourth inning, they uh, Marlins scored three. D backs scored four to get back on top. Uh, Merrill gives up one more run uh, in the fifth. Like you said, at least he's able to go six, which is was important. Uh, and honestly, uh, those those are in runs. It was one home run that he gave up after walking. Uh, you know. Uh, one batter and just kind of being erratic all of a sudden there in that fourth inning, like Merrill just kind of got uh, just kind of out of sync and he couldn't really get the ball in the strike zone. Uh, It resulted in those three runs being given up, but I mean, it still feels like Merrill is able to uh, give up something like that and, and lock it back in and continue at least being able to keep the team in the game, not give up more runs, which is something we can't say out of Brandon fought in game two of this series. It didn't feel like Fott could go through a rough patch and then lock it down. It really felt like he was going to kind of continue to to bleed runners or bleed, bleed runs there and 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 just let the deficit kind of grow. Um, but, yeah. man, this Marlins team really has the Arizona Diamondbacks number, it seems like. 
Yeah, yeah. Jazz Chisholm doesn't have uh, Zach Gallon's number. He that's, does not. That's well established. He at does this not. Point. Nor does the Mar- do the Marlins have Zach Gallon's number. No, but uh, but yeah. Other than that, the Marlins are just you know he's got some pesky hitters here who yeah. had some success, and the Marlins bullpen today. My gosh, uh, they did not get a good start whatsoever from Edward Cabrera. He went three and two thirds innings, gave up four runs. They they pulled him pretty early in this game. Uh, and then they go to the bullpen and you get, you know, over five innings of work. You get 10 strikeouts. I think they gave up three hits, right. no runs. Just an extraordinary performance from the Marlins bullpen. And you were here for the watch along. I mentioned this this crazy stat with the Marlins bullpen where they are they rank in the bottom half of the league in bullpen ERA. Their bullpen has not been good yeah. in that sense. But they entered today somehow first in the league in win probability added from their bullpen, which basically just means that in those big situations, when it really matters, their bullpen has been basically the best in baseball. And you saw that today in a very tight game. The Marlins bullpen was able to hold the D-backs at those four runs, and eventually they were able to get the, the fifth run they needed to win this one late. How good are the Marlins in close games? They are very good. They are undefeated, yeah. in fact, in one-run games. They are currently 12-0 and 0 in one-run games, which is fairly impressive for a team that has struggled at times. And, I mean, uh, uh, that's where a lot of their wins have come in those close games. But, uh, I mean, this is a team that I think before this series was dead last in Major League Baseball in run production. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins are 12-0 and 0 in one-run games, and they're 7-19. and 19 in games that are not decided by one run. So I don't know I don't know There's what's the going on. There's the key. <laughs> don't be don't don't get into a one run game. With, uh, right? Apparently That's don't, what the Arizona don't play, don't play the Marlins close, yeah. I guess is I guess is the takeaway. Uh yeah, the Marlins are minus fifty four this season. We talked about it coming into the series. They have allowed way more runs than they have scored and yet they're sitting here with a five hundred record because they're they're winning. They're winning these these really close games. And I think according to uh, you know, you can you can take a team's run differential and you can convert it to like their projected record. That number for the Marlins or that record for the Marlins is 13 and 25. That's their projected record based on how many runs they've scored and how many runs they've allowed. But in fact, Eric, they are not 13 and 25. They are 19 and 19 uh, and right in the thick of, you know, still very much in the early going here, but right in the thick of, of you know, the playoff mix in the National League. So, uh, give them credit, I guess, for, you know, being good when it counts. I, I still sort of have my doubts about the Marlins being sustainably good in the long term because sure. this roster just doesn't look that good to me. Uh, but the D-backs have had some problems and they are now two and four uh, against the Marlins this season. They struck out 15 times today against the Marlins, yeah. which I mean, at the very least, they were trying to put together some longer at bats than we've seen out of them. But we still saw. Uh, like Corbin Carroll pop up a few times, I believe on, on some, um, you know, like first pitch, uh, first pitch strikes and things like that. Uh, Corbin Carroll also tried to get the offense going, uh, with a bunt play where he tried to bunt and make it to first base. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly a sack, butt. it felt like Corbin was going all out uh, and he was called out for leaving the base path, which why? I, I would like to imagine personally, Derek, a world, a world in which the base pads rule didn't exist. So you could, could just, you imagine how you electric just, that would you be? You could go on full on tag, basically, right? Because yeah, you yeah, have a first basically. baseman who has the ball in his head and you just have a runner who's giving him 
the the shimmy and the shake trying to get yeah. around him. You can go yeah. left, you can go Cole right. Colin Carroll could run into the outfield if he wanted to oh, and then like make his way, like circle back and run towards yeah. first base. I think it would be good fun. I think maybe the maybe the Savannah Bananas should get on this. I'm not sure if they've explored we've this, been, this rule we've change been trying, at all. We've been trying to add some rules. Uh, a couple of other rules we tried to add during our watch along was if Corbin Carroll were to say hit a ball that was an inside the park home run, but it got so lost and bobbled around that he was somehow able to make it all the way around and back to home that he could then turn <laughs> around on home base, thus scoring a run and also get another single by still continuing to run around the diamond to oh. first base. Well, why not just let him get a single if he scores and then makes it back to first? Why does that's he have what to? I mean. That's, oh, what I mean. okay. that's what I mean. Okay, so he all the way around. It goes all the way around, just, okay. but then he just keeps going. And okay. now wherever, wherever, you can keep going. Maybe you score multiple sure. runs if they're really just having a problem with it out there. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm bit, even, I'm with, even with Corbin Carroll's speed, I'm not so sure about an inside-the-park home run plus an extra base. I, you know what? I don't, uh, exactly. It's not going to happen often, but it could happen. Let's leave it out there as a rule. Uh, also, <laughs> from the broadcast the other day on MLB Network, they suggested letting mascots be essentially a 10th member of the roster in the stands so if a roster were to catch a fly foul ball in the stands it would count oh, as an out that would be incredible in the baseball we game. did see baxter make That's, a very acrobatic that was, attempt that was at the, a ball. that was the play that that called for it for sure that was uh the play in question and i don't hate so. it yeah, see if these are things. Some mascots could, are a little bit more fit and athletic than others, though. You know, shots fired. Like I'm not sure the Philly Orbit. fanatic is gonna Philly go fanatic. is gonna go out there yeah. and you know like make some leaping grab in the dinger. stands or something. Come on, dinger! You can't even defend yourself, <laughs> <laughs> let alone catch a fly ball. Yeah, are the are the are the is there are there any rules preventing people in the stands from like assaulting the mascots <laughs> as they're trying to go about this? <laughs> a fan just speared Baxter trying to catch a fly ball. <laughs> that would be uh, one way to get down. fans involved. Like fans are not allowed to make the Man. plays directly, but they know. are allowed to try See, to prevent the mascots from making those plays. Jesse's asking for those fan conduct, conduct cards to be added to all the seats in the first <laughs> 10 rows, just like we saw in the NBA game. But. Uh. Uh, uh, we didn't get to see the home run snake either. So that's another gigantic miss here. We've only seen it slither its way out into the dugout once when Evan Longoria hit the home run last night, but uh, we still have to give our King snake out to someone and really nobody deserved it. So we're going to give it to Zach gallon because Zach gallon deserves it. Zach gallon was the only starting pitcher here that really gave the Arizona diamondbacks exactly what they needed, which is stability. He is the diamondbacks only source of stability right now when it comes to pitching uh, in game one, he went seven innings, one earned run, seven strikeouts, one walk on a day that before we even talked to Tori Lavolo or Zach Gallen, Jesse Friedman knew, knew was going to be considered a mediocre outing, at least in, in Zach Gallen's mind. And in what world is the, are those numbers that I just showed you? Uh, a, a ho-hum day, but that's how Zach well, Gallon views Zach, it. He wasn't talking. Mike, my, my expectation was not that Zach Gallon would necessarily say it was a terrible outing because results-wise, it was a very good outing. He just didn't have but, his best stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious just, you know, up in the press box looking at some of the numbers and just watching the game that Zach Gallon did not have his best stuff whatsoever on Monday. And and so, yeah, after the game. And Zach Gallon's I, a fibber. And that's what Tori yeah, Lovello said. After the game, I asked Tori Lovello, you know, what does it mean to you to have a guy who on a day where he doesn't have his best stuff, which was just sort of me projecting that because I was. knew that that's he what Zach Gallon was going to say. 
after the game, which in fact he did. Tor, but Tori um, almost, Tori, I'm not going to say he took offense to it, but he almost scoffed at you at the idea of right. someone being able to have that pitching line and not having his best stuff. But here's what Tori had to say back to Jesse in regards to Zach not having his best stuff. Is that what he's going to say? Do you think that he did have his best that's, stuff? That's my guess. <laughs> yeah. um, I always think he has his best stuff. I just I, I, I have a front row seat every single day where I'm watching and just execute at a very high level and just drive pitches in the zone. Um, you know, he – I know the last time that we faced the Marlins, I think it was heavy fastball, change-up, fastball, breaking ball. Like I said, he was fastball cutter today. Um, there were some breaking balls, there were some change-ups change involved, but he just he switched up the deck, and he was throwing fastballs by him, some really good fastball hitters. So um, what does it say to me? Um, I, I think he's a favorite, and he always has good stuff. That's, that's what I put in my core. That's what I'm thinking every single time he goes out there. It was one of the best quotes that I think I think Tori Lovello has, has ever given in a post-game presser. Usually you're just kind of going through the motions yeah. and saying sort of the normal things. Uh, but yeah, so Tori Lovello comes out and says, I think Zach Allen is a fibber for so consistently saying after good starts that he didn't have his best stuff. Uh, and this is before we had talked with Zach Allen that night. Um, so a few minutes later, we go in the clubhouse, we talk to Zach Allen, um, and I asked Zach about this. I said, Tori Lovello... Uh, you know, this was after the part of the interview where Zach had already talked about how he did not have his best stuff whatsoever. Uh, Gallon literally started his presser on Monday night uh, with saying that he didn't have much semblance of an off-speed pitch. Uh, so in his book, this was the this was about the lowest of the lows for Zach Gallon in terms of of not having his stuff. Uh, but after he said that, I asked Zach. You know, Tori Lavello just said that you're a fibber for so consistently saying you don't have your best stuff, even when you put up the numbers. You know that you did tonight. Here's what Zach Allen had to say. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't really have much semblance of, a, of an off-speed pitch, really. Um, it was a lot of fastball tonight. Um, but, yeah, my defense played really well um, back there behind me. So so that is not the clip that we were hoping to play of Zach oh. Allen. <laughs> that is the clip uh, that, I, that I was alluding to earlier with, with Gallon talking about not having his best stuff. Um, we'll have to we'll have to circle back and see if we can see if we can get that for yeah, but, for another show. But something. Zach but Zach Allen is a fibber, and what did he say in regards to? Yeah, fibber? it's on our it's on our Twitter account. Basically, Zach just said, uh, "I'm so particular," um, and and so he was basically talking about from his perspective. You know, even though it's a results oriented league, and even though you know he he was able to go out there and give the D back seven innings and only allow one run. Sure. In the long term, what's most important for him is that the feel of his pitches is on point. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, really yeah. what's going to lead to long term success for Zach Gallen. And so he was like, "I'm just being honest with you guys. Like I didn't have that today." Um. So yeah, I mean, you can well, understand where he's coming from. I it, I think it's a I think it's a valid a valid perspective. It makes sense because we see him have a successful night, and in our minds, it's kind of that perfectionist thing almost right we're yeah. almost like man why are you being so hard on yourself you did great and it's not it's not a perfection thing it's not a hard on himself it's that zach gallon had to rely heavily on his fastball in that game because his his uh off-speed stuff wasn't really working for him or he didn't have a yeah. feel for it right and so that's from his perspective like the night that he feels good is a night where he feels like he can throw any one of his pitches comfortably and has that feel for them. If there's ever a night where he literally has to avoid throwing one of his key pitches because he doesn't have a great feel for it that night, it doesn't matter what the results are going to say. He's going to come back and say, 
I didn't have my best stuff tonight because his best stuff is when he has that variety of pitches to throw and he can throw anything and he can use use those pitches in the scenarios specifically where he wants to use them and have confidence that he's going to use them successfully. Yeah, he also something that was really interesting that he said after the game is that for him, it's really important even when he doesn't have his best stuff to to make sure that he's still at least throwing all of his pitches occasionally. He wants to keep hitters from eliminating pitches that he doesn't have that day. Um, And so you saw that even though and I totally agreed with Zach Gallon, honestly, his curveball and changeup were not very good at all on Monday. But you still saw him kind of sprinkle them in every now and then in order to just kind of keep that idea in the hitter's head. And and even that can work. It's all, it's almost like Zach Gallon doesn't necessarily need his curveball and his changeup to dominate. Well, he, he doesn't. Just, he he does, needs the idea of his curveball and changeup in the hitter's heads in it. order in order that's to have it. the kind of success. And that he, he doesn't. Had. He the bat the batter doesn't know he doesn't have his best stuff. So the batter doesn't. They really, probably pick up on certain things. I mean, I'm sure but, they do. They might be communicating back and forth in the dugout, like he's not yeah. throwing his cutter, or he's not, or not cutter. He's not throwing the curveball, or something yeah, like or that, such but, and such a pitch doesn't look as yeah. sharp today, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing what it can do when you just keep all of that in the hitter's head. And the hitter also has to know that, you know, even if the curveball wasn't great in the first or second inning, that doesn't necessarily keep him from throwing a really darn good one in a one-two count or something later in the game. Also, is there anything more appropriate than Zach Gallon wearing that free and easy don't trip hat that he's wearing in that scene that we briefly watched? I feel spitting. like... It's uh, it's it's almost too on point for someone like Zach Gallon. It's also ironic considering it's someone that's totally going to trip uh, over his own performance, even when he has a good night. But ha ha ha! All jokes aside, Zach Gallon is our king snake, uh, and he deserves it. He should probably get that home run snake wrapped around his shoulders for that. But uh, something they also need for that home run snake is a pair of shady ray sunglasses because every stuffed animal needs a, a pair of, of sunglasses. They just it's it's just a natural thing that you as an adult do when your kids have uh, have stuffed animals around the house. But uh, you also need some very, very good sunglasses. And Shady Rays is the independent sunglass company that you need to check out. They have a world-class product. It's just as good as expensive sunglasses, but it's not going to cost you nearly as much. And they have an absolutely insane uh, policy for stolen and lost uh, merch. Not stolen, lost, stolen, broken, lost uh, merchandise. They have your back at all times. They also have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, especially here in this state where in Arizona, I don't know if any of you watching are new to the state, but it is a requirement that you go find yourself some good sunglasses, and Shady Rays is absolutely the place to do so. I very much feel that. I will be honest. Even though I grew up in Arizona, I never, ever wore sunglasses. And since I got my Shady Rays, I am, like, genuinely so thankful for them every time. Yes. Because I've just been squinting. For yeah. like the better part of my of life, entire without, life without realizing silly, right? that you didn't act, I didn't actually have to be doing I'm, that all along. I'm going to give you a for instance, <laughs> because we live in Arizona when I was a kid, I just used to think it wasn't necessary, necessary to have like winter clothes. And it ah. absolutely gets cold enough here to have winter clothes, but I did not wear them. I wore shorts year round. And what would I do, Jesse, out that's, on the playground crazy. in December? Freeze my ass off as a child. And I wouldn't tell anybody. I would just be cold and sad and and I'd have to hold it inside. And same thing with sunglasses, walking around squinting all the time when you when, when you think you're not trying to be too cool. Look, you can be cool and also protect your eyes, and you can there do you that with Shady Rays. Uh, you can shop their entire location at their brand new location in town 
right now at Kierlin Commons, a full-stop shop for all things Shady Rays. And that is obviously a great option for everybody uh, that want to try them on, see how the sunglasses look in person. But if you can't do that, make sure to check them out online because if you get a pair and you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has you back. It has your back. They also have an insane protection program where every pair of sunglasses is backed by their lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. They have your back long after purchase. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over a quarter million people over at Shady Rays. Uh, also, speaking of wonderful sponsors, Pins and Aces, I, I uh, have a new rival for my favorite shirt. Uh, step out mm. of the way, old shirt company, because Pins and Aces is coming through. They got the crazy patterns I like. They have the super comfortable, stretchy fabric. It's fantastic to wear, especially when you're golfing. But guess what? It's not just great when you're golfing. You can wear them anytime. Uh, Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of PHNX in all city. Uh, we love our pin, Pins and Aces gear. Uh, I Mine might be slightly uh, inappropriate for some social settings, but uh, I still... <laughs> Uh, I love my shirt that's filled with bongs and and pipes and, and joints. But uh, check out the Keeping It 100 Golf Classic. Uh, that May 26th, you can get in on the scramble. There's early bird pricing. Of course, if you're a member, make sure to check out that as well. They also have this wonderful polo shirt that I've said that I will riot if I don't get one of with Phoenix uh, all over it. So you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for the Keeping It 100 Golf Tournament at Dobson Ranch on May 26th. Pins and Aces will be there. There'll be prizes. There'll be so much great stuff. So make sure to check it out. You can also check out Pins and Aces at pinsandaces.com and use our promo code of PHNX to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Jesse, let's take a look at the numbers in this series because, once again, baseball will baseball. And despite a lot of the things not making sense here, uh, the Diamondbacks did not win two out of three games in this series. They definitely lost two out of three games in the series, but they out hit the Marlins 29 to 25. Uh, Marlins had the only error in the series. And of course, uh, look at that. Uh, the ERA there pretty things, things once again, that find a way to be very similar, but man, that Marlins relief pitching ERA was just un, un, uh, otherworldly. The Marlins bullpen was good, but there's one, uh, there's one stat here that for me just kind of tells the story of the series and that's just hitting with runners in scoring position, yeah, it absolutely which is. it's, it's honestly sort of obnoxious how big of an impact that has. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't so much matter, uh, you know, how many hits you had in a series versus how many hits the opposing team had. It's like, when did you get the hits? Did yeah. you get them in the, in the important spots or, you know, where you just you get in first and second and then, you know, leaving everybody on base. Right. So, uh, yeah, the D-backs hit 194 with runners in scoring position in the series. The Marlins hit 292. That sort of feels like the uh, you know the difference right there. The D-backs did have other opportunities to score today, although not many. Uh, they did not have nearly as many base runners around uh, in this game today. Uh, so you know, I I think their approach a little a little bit earlier in this game was somewhat questionable. They had they were taking some early hacks against Edward, Edward Cabrera, which I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, but we were having this conversation uh, in the Nats series as well, Derek. Uh, the D-backs, I think, in that series went four for thirty-one with runners in scoring position, and they had another another rough go of it here. So it's the kind of thing that 
like I said before, I compare hitting with runners in scoring position to like shooting three pointers in the NBA. It's it's streaky. You're going to have your great nights. You're going to have your not so good nights. The D-backs have have been one of the better teams in the game at doing that over the last few weeks. And you're just kind of seeing things balance out a little bit here. Ten walks to four walks. The Diamondbacks were more patient, but it's honestly incredible. The Marlins only had four walks in three games. It's crazy. But the Diamondbacks struck out Jesse 30 times in this series, including 15 times in today's game, Uh, seven yesterday and eight in the win on Monday. So the Diamondbacks have been patient, but maybe too patient. Maybe some of that patience at the plate is resulting in falling behind in counts and and striking out more often. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know. know if I would. I don't think they've been too patient. There are still some guys like Josh Rojas is really fighting it at the plate right now. Yeah, Corbin. Uh, Corbin hasn't seemed very patient. Corbin Carroll is is in a little bit of a rut, which which is fine, right? I mean, Corbin Carroll has just been outstanding for the first few weeks, so you're not you're not really all that concerned about that. But there are still guys in this lineup who who could be better. Than, than how they've been. And, and we're saying that even though the D-backs have scored, I don't know what it is right now, but top five, top 10 at least uh, in, in runs just around the league this season, this offense has still been really good. And, and there are guys like Josh Rojas definitely comes to mind. You know, you've still got Alec Thomas struggling. You've got Jake McCarthy down in Reno. There are other contributors that, that really could step up their game for this team, even though the offense has been pretty good to date. Uh, other thing is Zach Gallon remains good at baseball. We knew that already by giving him our King Snake. But uh, in in game one, he dominated. Uh, uh, Gabby Moreno had three hits. Uh, Rivera Walker Smith had two hits. Uh, the D backs have in fact won six of Gallon's last seven starts and three of Merrill Kelly's last four coming into today. Uh, they've they've just been very good in games where the Diamondbacks starting pitching can give them that lead, give them that ability to win a baseball game. Um, but unfortunately, it's unfortunate they only have two two guys. <laughs> I was going to gonna that, say right? the exact. I was going to say the <laughs> same thing. Fortunately, they only got two of them. And uh, as much as we've been trying to clone Zach Gallons in the lab uh, below this building, they they are not turning out well. Uh, there are some. There are definitely some broken eggs down there. But uh, Brandon Fott got shelled again, and I know that's still a big topic of conversation uh, for D backs fans. I think that we still remain patient. I think we still remain hopeful to see him get things back on track. But also, I mean, it's not as much about being impatient, but as much as wanting the Diamondbacks to be careful with his development, we've kind of thrown around Dre Jameson's future at times where we talk about where we want him and whatever. We want to disregard him being a starting pitcher and want him back in the bullpen just so that he can help this team win. But uh, these are all the things that this team right now needs to still remain patient about because Despite their early success, they still weren't expecting really to be in this position at this point of the season. So I think they still need to put their young players' development first as a precedent before they get too wrapped up in possibly, you know, doing some of these things we've seen happen to other guys' career uh, with someone like Brandon Fodder or Jamison. Yeah, I'm 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 going to be really curious to see how the D-backs handle Brandon Fodd after his next start. I I want to say that if Brandon Fodd goes out there against the San Francisco Giants. I don't think they've officially named him the starter for Sunday, but that's what he lines up for. So I'm, I'm assuming he'll start on Sunday. Um, you have to feel like if he struggles again, that that you might you might just pull the plug at that point and, and send him down to Reno. 
Another thing we should mention is that Zach Davies is getting pretty close to returning. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was two innings that he threw in his last. Uh, he made a rehab start down in the Arizona Complex League. He's going to make another one of those. Uh, and then after that, you could probably bring Zach Davies back into the rotation. So you're probably at about the the 10-day mark, or roughly, uh, to where Zach Davies could return to this rotation. And that would sort of line up for if Brandon Fott struggles in his next outing, you could probably just plug that spot with Zach Davies if he wanted to. How, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like if, if Fott struggles one more time, if he has another game where he gives up a couple homers, four or five runs, that the D-backs would, would move on at that point? What does Fott need to go down to the minors to work on? That's my question. Like, yeah, what is the benefit question. there, right? It's like if a guy is struggling with something, then I can see him going down. But like in this case, he's just struggling mainly with command, which we have seen him have at a minor league level. And if we send him back down and he has that command at a minor league level again, great. And then you're going to call him back up. And then what? Maybe he struggles again at a major league level. Sure. I I would rather see him have at least two more outings before I would determine his fate and and really make a big decision on on sending him back down and if i did send him back down i'm not playing that game of bringing him back up and sending him back down and he's probably gonna have to stay in reno for a bit because i mean i just don't i don't know what the point of doing that would be like guys are going to struggle even major league pitchers struggle you know at a major league level and they kind of go through 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 a growing process and they come out on the other side having you know being a better pitcher I feel like that's what this is for Fott, right? But like I said earlier, I'm also very worried about his overall development. I'm worried about the impact sure. this could have on him. I just think, again, uh, you know, we've we've talked a lot about him and what he can add to this team. We've talked about him being kind of a vital part of their future and, and part of their rotation because they don't really have anyone that's shown that they can be better. Fott's just not showing it right now at a major league level, but the stuff he has especially the way Strom talked about like his arm slot and and how effective his stuff can be is uh, really, really something that you're not going to get anywhere else right now, or at least that the Diamondbacks can can find and afford. So I just think it's about trying to get him right. I think being with Brent Strom is a very good thing. I yeah. think he's going to be very coachable, unlike what we heard about Bumgarner yesterday, right? <laughs> so I, I, I think having him with one of the best pitching coaches in all of baseball is a good thing. And I think they're going to find a way to work him through this because it's, it's not really like a mystery of what he's doing wrong. Yeah. And it's no. not like he's it's forgotten how to throw the baseball. Down the middle, Just kid. stop throwing them down You'll the be middle. All right. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and I'm sure Strom even probably feels like that. He probably doesn't have a lot of panic. It's just like, it sucks because how, how do you make that happen? How do you make a pitcher start getting back on track? And like for Brandon fought, I'm sure that he wasn't trying to throw pitches down the middle. <laughs> it's just a ma- it's kind of like it's just that readjustment now instead because you threw the last one so far outside that now instead of your next adjustment bringing it closer to the edge like you would thought based on it being 6 inches outside, now you're just dead center. Now it's like overcorrected. Now it's, you know, right yeah. down the heart of the plate. Couple couple things come to mind for me. So First of all, um, I think it was some uh, video that I found at one point. Of course, there's been all sorts of content made about Brandon Fott, just given his his prospect status. I've seen a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's also yeah. There's one that's especially great. There's one video that rises above all the others. But I was watching another video about <laughs> Fott the other day uh, that showed his heat maps um, from AAA, uh, specifically with his fastball location. 
And they did point out that Brandon Fott's fastball location last year in AAA was significantly more fine than it was this year. He still had pretty good results in Reno this year, uh, not quite what he had last year. But, you know, I think the D-backs were still able to look at the numbers he was putting up in Reno and be like, yeah, I mean, this guy is pitching really well. Yeah. He deserves this call-up. But there, there has been a bit of a setback this year, it seems, in terms of his fastball location, and we've seen that in the big leagues. That's exactly what the problem has been. He's just throwing his pitches, not just his fastball, but occasionally the changeup in the slider. He's just throwing them center cut, and, and they're absolutely getting destroyed. Um, so I do think that you could send him down kind of on a mission, like try to get your fastball command in Reno back to where it was last year. And once we see that, then we'll bring you back up and, and we'll give you another shot. I think that is that is one, one approach they could take. The other thing I'll say, uh, an interesting tidbit from Nick Picoro's story um, from, from yesterday's game, he spoke with one rival evaluator, it's an anonymous source, that said that Brandon Fott's uh, fastball life was better uh, in, in, in the past when, he, when he's been at his best. People have seen Brandon Fott's fastball life be significantly better than than where it is right now yeah um and we've talked about the spin rate that the fastball has the fact that you feel like it it should sort of move all over the place and it just doesn't yeah. the the shape of the of the fastball for fought is pretty standard and and that's why he's just not really getting away with anything uh even if he was you know locating it better i still think there would be some issues with fought just because the fastball is not doesn't have the same shape as it's had in the past, according to to what that evaluator said. So, yeah, a couple of couple of notes there. Well, he's talking heat maps, and I don't know what the opposite of a heat map would be, but I think it would be whatever the Circle K store locator is. There you right? go. Because yeah, that feels right. You head to CircleK.com/store-locator <laughs> to find Circle K's near you. Get yourself a Polar Pop, according to a guy that looks a lot like me on the video. Uh, and just cool yourself down this summer here in Arizona. We're excited to partner with our friends at Circle K, and you can check out your local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, and snack selection, premium gas. I was snacking on their beef jerky. I guarantee you, I, I challenge you to find another beef jerky in their store that's better than the Circle K branded beef jerky. Taste test it. Blind taste test it. I dare you. You can't find it because it's incredible, just like all of their other snacks are. And, of course, the Polar Pop cheapest way to keep yourself hydrated and cool uh they also have their other stuff their 12 packs of beer you can find our friends at four peaks there they have all sorts of 12 packs of beer for just 9.99 they have red bull and monsters on sale as well make sure you're not missing out on all of this great stuff right now text phnx to 31310 to join the sms subscriber club and you will get a buy one get one free offer on a 32 ounce polar pop so go do that now uh, and, of course, make sure to check out also our friends at Four Peaks. You can grab their beer at Circle K. You can go down to the A Street Pub or you can get their beer wherever you get your beer. Uh, Four Peaks are for teachers, and this is Teacher Appreciation Week. Uh, I just want to say, Jesse, I appreciate you. Aw. Yeah, as, as a teacher. Uh, Not, no connection to me being a former teacher. You just wanted to say you appreciate No, me. I, says, I said as a teacher, but I was going to say <laughs> as my teacher. It's completely obligatory. Because okay. Jesse... Uh, unsolicited it's unsolicited teaching i don't even want him to teach me and he teaches me stuff all the time <laughs> uh but of course teacher appreciation week is this week thank a teacher and nominate them to win grants four peaks swag and a grand prize of a custom makeover of their teacher's lounge at school go to fourpeaksfortechers.org to nominate a teacher or to donate and right now you can win yourself some arizona diamondbacks tickets so let's go one lucky winner will get four seats to an upcoming diamondbacks game 
And tickets do come with D-Bucks. You can grab some food, some ice-cold wow wheat or hop knot. Enter by going to Four Peaks Brew on IG. That's at Four Peaks Brew. Uh, the link is in our bio. You can also check out at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest at Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks. And please drink responsibly. Jesse, what are the Arizona Diamondbacks going to do about this bullpen? Uh, I don't mean just how did they fix it, because again, today, uh, Andrew Chafin was pretty damn good in an inning they needed him to be in the eighth, but then Tori Lovello brought him back out in a move that made sense based on the pitching matchup. However, he did give up uh, the double that ends up being the go-ahead run for the Marlins, and they end up winning. Uh, Miguel Castro could not close the inning out with the inherited runner and here we are talking about a loss so what do the d-backs do i mean there's not much that they can do to be, to be perfectly honest what, what those do you are, think, those what are, are their two do? guys right i mean Andrew Chaffin and miguel castro are the two guys fix it jesse at, at the back fix end it. I, I don't know what to tell you uh we, we did talk about dre jameson uh we've talked about dre jameson a little bit the last few days the possibility of him coming back up he's really the the one other guy that's had some success in the bullpen that the D-backs aren't using right now. So I still think that's an interesting route that they could go down in the future. But for now, he's continuing to pitch as a starter in Reno. The D-backs don't appear to have any intentions of of moving him back into the bullpen for right now, as, as far as we can tell. So... I don't really have any great solutions, Derek. Uh, I guess wait till the trade deadline and try no, to try to make a move no. is about all I got Stop for it. you. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, anything going on in the minors that we should know about? I know there's uh, a few things. Jordan Lawler hit the shit out of a ball the other day. That's for sure. Yeah, Jordan Lawler hit a very, very long home run yesterday. Um, so he has not not hit well, frankly, uh, in in Amarillo this year. Um, but that was that was good to see a step in the right direction. Uh, Jake McCarthy was two for five yesterday with a home run of his own. Uh, he's up to 333 with a 990 OPS since being sent down to AAA Reno. So pretty good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Walston yesterday, uh, outstanding outing for the Reno Aces, seven and a third innings, one hit, one run, um, two walks, seven strikeouts. Nice. That's 83 pitches he pitched into the eighth inning. Uh, possibly the most impressive start of Blake Walston's uh, young pro pitching career at this point. So um, good stuff there. He has a 2.36 ERA this year in in uh, for Reno, which is which is really impressive. The Peripherals haven't been the prettiest in his recent outings, but yesterday, two walks, seven strikeouts, only one hit allowed. Hard to do much better than that. Uh, Let's take a look at the probables for the upcoming series with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Again, another series that the Diamondbacks here, they have four four games against a team that hasn't been playing very good baseball, and hopefully they they can more than split this series. The Diamondbacks definitely need to take three out of four in this one against uh, a National League West rival if the intention of this season is to be competitive. I know that might sound very drastic. <laughs> if the intention. If the intention is to be competitive and make a playoff push, uh, this is this four-game series is one that they definitely need to, uh, once again, get greedy and beat up on the opposition. Tommy Henry kicks things off against Cobb. Then we got Nelson versus Stripling. Gallon, Gallon versus uh, Jesse, could you please? I, Anthony Dishclafani. Dishclafani. Thank <laughs> it's that Dish in the front that always gets me. <laughs> then we got Fott versus Webb, and not not a very uh, easy pitching matchup there for Brandon Fott. But uh, again, the the Giants they've they've not been incredibly good this season, and the Diamondbacks no. definitely 
uh, this this is that portion of the month where the Diamondbacks have uh, some some competition that they can win against. The 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 pitching matchups aren't great, Derek. I'm not, I'm not gonna no, lie. No, starting pitching is uh, pretty good for the Giants. Yeah, like Tommy Henry against Cobb. You don't necessarily feel great about that one. Then you've got Stripling against Nelson. Feels like sort of a wash. You obviously feel good about Zach Gallon pitching the Saturday game, but then you got Logan Webb against Brandon Fott in the Sunday game. So the D-backs have their have their work cut out for him here. Uh, their offense is the reason that they are 20 and 17 right now. It's the reason they've been a good team. So, you know, they're going to stare down some maybe not ideal pitching matchups and still feel like the D-backs have a chance to win. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a, a big weekend for the offense because, you know, when you've got a four-game set and you're only getting one start from the the Gallon-Kelly duo, your your offense, you know, it, at least with how things have gone so far, your offense is really going to have to step up in those games. D-backs have done a pretty good job of that so far this season, but they're going to need to continue that against... A Giants team that is better than the Marlins, at least in my opinion, better than the Nationals, better than the Rockies, the Royals. This is the best team the D-backs have seen in a while, in my opinion, even if the Giants still aren't, you know, right in the thick of the playoff picture or anything right well, now. Well, yeah, they're struggling offensively, and they're coming into a team that has some pretty good uh, starting pitching. That, yeah. And that's kind of been a weakness. The Diamondbacks this year have, have, have consistently made – starting pitching for the opposing team look pretty damn good. So the Giants offense is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Tyro Estrada has been their most valuable offensive player by far so far this season. Uh, he's sitting 338 with an OPS, like over 900. What? Uh, JD Davis has had a pretty good year for them. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. is off to a pretty good start. Lamont Mike Yastrzemski. Just a thorn in the D-back side. Yeah. Him, so. Their offense has been has been pretty decent, uh, but the rotation has been a little bit hit or miss, and and the bullpen has been very poor for the Giants. So uh, that's that's been probably their biggest weakness so far this season. We, we try to stay pretty rational, at least you do, and you try to keep me grounded as much as you humanly can. Right. Um, but... I still feel very dramatic about this series. I say that because it's the National League West and it's a four-game series where uh, really, if I mean, if, they, if their struggles continue and they go in and lose this series, they, they don't even split it. They drop three out of four. That'd to, be a, that'd be a gut punch, yeah. It really absolutely would. Not only would it solidify the fact that I don't have to get a tattoo based on this team's success in May, but it would also really mean some things about <laughs> – just, I mean, I mean, this team's competitive nature. Like, it's the Giants. Uh, as far as NL West opponents go, it's the toughest one that they have, you know, until we come back around to the Dodgers and the Padres in August. So I feel like they need to need to show something. Now, Yeah. the problem there is, is that we might continue to, continue to see them do what they're doing wrong, which is trying too hard. That seems to still be the theme. And Brent Strom talked about that. And even when he talked about it with the pitching and with Brandon Fott, he also talked about it just in general with with baseball, and I think that is the one thing that this team just needs to do is just relax a little bit and and realize that games are going to be won won and lost on team efforts, and that they're not the only person, they're not the the hero of the game. They don't need to be, but what they need to do is go up there and get on base, find a way to do the thing. You know, the one thing we complimented Josh Rojas about a lot was that Josh Rojas was just pesky. Right. And yeah. He found a way to get on base. He found a way to be involved offensively some way, somehow. And we're not seeing that out of him lately. And it's almost like the team is kind of a reflection of 
Josh Rojas is not being in that gamer mode where he's, you know, almost a nuisance to the opposing team, which is that's the Josh Rojas we need back. We need chaotic open shirt Josh Rojas on <laughs> on the baseball diamond and we need it immediately. But the D backs uh, they they definitely are not the, the whole create chaos narrative from early in the season. They haven't quite been that down, been right? that team. Yeah. Yeah, and Corbin I mean, Carroll that, tried with his bunt today. Yes, but that didn't. That but didn't one quite guy work. alone can't do it, right? And it yeah. really requires this team to try to get their way on base, which they did today with walks. They absolutely got on base, but you just didn't see them trying anything out of the ordinary to to get runners in. They didn't have this sense of urgency when they did have the bases loaded, when they did have those scoring opportunities to really capitalize on it in some way. And and like you said, that creating chaos mentality, that that way that they were being that has kind of disappeared a bit. We don't see him stealing bases. We don't see him trying to do things to cause, you know, runners or, you know, uh, defenders to make, you know, quick decisions and things like that. So hopefully they can get back to that. I think part of it is just that Corbin Carroll is kind of slumping right now. Josh Rojas is kind of slumping right now. And Jake McCarthy's in Reno, right? right. So it's kind of like, I mean, those are sort of your your three uh, primary yeah, uh, troublemakers. Ca- yeah, troublemakers, <laughs> chaos producers, chaos producers uh, for for the D backs, and and there's also an element of with how well this D backs team is hit overall, with how high their team batting average is. You don't necessarily feel the need to play small ball quite as much. Right. Like this has actually been one of the better offenses in the game. You don't need to be dropping down bunts every other hitter. Sure. Um, so I, I think there there's some elements of that. But yeah, you would like to see the D backs maybe take up the aggressiveness just a little bit once those guys uh you know are able to find find it again and and I have no doubt that Corbin Carroll and and Josh Rojas will be able to work their way out of this rut and uh you know I think both of those guys are going to be obviously Corbin Carroll I think Josh Rojas is also going to be a big part of this offense this season well fellow parents we have like nine days until the kids are out on summer vacation and you know uh there's nothing worse than trying to figure out something to do with them you can figure out something <laughs> to do with them. There's nothing worse. I mean, it's not well, like it's, figuring out what to not, do with your children. It's not the care. It's not the care because we have jobs, we have lives, Jesse, and we live a normal life. And all of a sudden, there comes this portion of the year where the kid is at home. Now, now she's just at home every day. She doesn't go off to school. She doesn't have Girl Scouts. She doesn't have uh, <laughs> student council. No band practice. Nothing. I'm like, my God, I have to, you know, what do I do with her? I'm going to take her to Octane Raceway and Mavericks. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, they have their summer passes right now, which will help you ease the cost and give those kids uh, plenty of memories. So much fun over there with their cart racing, their axe throwing. Let the kids axe throw axes. Come on. What better, what more dangerous can you can, thing can you think of to do for as a kid? That's awesome. Uh, you can buy it now for the best rate. They have, uh, of course, all sorts of events coming up. Uh, we are looking at Mother's Day brunch here this weekend, and they have an extravaganza from scratch brunch, half-off mimosas until 2 p.m., and a free $10 game card uh, with every brunch purchase. Plus, all moms get free axe throwing and a free race with one paid guest. Come on. Wow. I think I know where me and my mom are going. Mom, <laughs> ditch the ditch the walker. We're going racing. Uh, <laughs> you can book some fun this spring at Octane Raceway and Mavericks. Kart racing, virtual reality, laser tag, axe throwing, bowling, arcade, and they have great food and drinks. Absolutely. So tons of different events throughout the summer. Check out OctaneRaceway.com and Mavericks.com to learn more. Uh, and if you want to get out to some sporting events, some other events, concerts, whatever you need, 
to go to this summer, check out Game Time. Game Time is the place for procrastinators to come get their tickets to all their events, especially Diamondbacks games. It's the last place for last-minute ticket deals, and it is the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason, because you can snag tickets with Game Time without the stress. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHNX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Can't wait to see you guys out at the ballpark tomorrow. Uh, Jesse and I have a 1 p.m. show tomorrow, and then we will be out with you guys at Chase Field for our takeover event against the San Francisco Giants. Uh, And, yeah, we got Tommy Henry on the mound, right? So there you go. let's root on Tommy Henry. Root, root, root for the home team. We will be out there meeting up at the Four Peaks Draft Room in Chase Field. So uh, that is right field. There's an elevator that takes you right up to that from the main concourse, in case you're wondering. Uh, and $32 for our diehards. So make sure to join us. We're going to be having a blast. Uh, if you're there at Chase Field and you're not part of the takeover, still say hi, text us, call us, come over and check us out. Uh, we will be hanging out as a group, and we love to see you. So uh, we thank you guys again so much for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse and Friedman. Damon is at Damon Dog. Our show is at PHNX underscore DBACs, but of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we thank you guys so much for joining us, even after this miserable loss. Uh, on behalf of the crew here, we appreciate your time as always. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when your players produce chaos.